0: Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So here we are on the cusp of one of the most popular stories in the Bible, one of the most famous, The Giving of the Ten Commandments. I feel like the Ten Commandments is one of those stories, one of those things that just about everybody is familiar with, at least at some at some level, uh, like in top 10 lists in general are super popular for content creators, you know, BuzzFeed and YouTube, whatever, like, but God was the first one to do it. God was the first one to, to give Moses his his BuzzFeed article of his top 10 things that he wanted the Israelites to do and, and everyone from then on. So uh, it's a lot to go over, a lot to get into, and it's pretty much like the final chapter of the story of moses like he's got some more stuff that he does but it's one of the final big stories in moses's ark uh you know he helped build the tabernacle and kind of like you know did some other stuff in motion and everything but this is his last big story uh, the 10 commandments is just one of those the cornerstones of the jewish faith and the, and the christian faith and and even has uh some similarities uh, that, that can be seen in islam even in in the quran even though the Quran doesn't have a Moses on the mountain story per se, there is a part in found in the Quran where there's two verses next to each other, and it lists out these ten kind of thing. Or not, it's not ten. It's actually it's it's kind of there's a couple extra ones thrown in there. But you know, just this like concise list of like highlights of things that people should or shouldn't do. And there's there's some extras thrown in there. It's not exactly ten, but. The ones that are in there match up pretty closely, like really closely to this list and in the similar order as this list that we get from Moses and the Ten Commandments. So uh, that's a whole other conversation or thing to study and figure out uh, where, how it all connects and everything, but it's the... the maybe not the story itself but the moral here that these 10 commandments these things are seen throughout so much of, of different you know these different religions and everything so it's a big deal it's neat stuff it's a neat story and there's a lot more to it than people actually usually realize there's a lot more going on than just him going up and god being like here what up you know here's here's some stone tablets like there's there's a lot of layers so can't wait to get into it can't wait to talk about it uh exciting to be back by the way i forgot to mention i've had a wild few weeks with just so much going on in in my personal life or whatever so so super glad to be back here recording focus on the show and doing stuff so uh, i know it's i mean i, I released an episode on sunday And it doesn't seem like I've been gone very long to you guys, I guess, but I've had so much going on that I feel like I'm able to breathe again. So I'm happy to be here. Happy to have some fun. Happy to be drinking a little bit tonight. Speaking of which, I guess now is the time in the show where we talk about what I'm drinking. So, I was trying to get really cute today and get something that tied into the story. I still have some Moses vodka lying around and was going to think about using that, but I was at the grocery store this afternoon uh, and uh, just as I was about to leave, I already had my cart full of groceries and whatever. Just as I was about to leave, a Basically, monsoon broke out above the store, right around me, <laughs> and uh, there I was with about 30 other customers, all with bagged groceries, sitting inside the store, waiting to go out because it was dreadful outside. It was raining so hard and it was so bad, and none of us wanted to go out and get ourselves or groceries, you know, drenched. <laughs> so as I'm there and I'm waiting there for a few minutes, and then I look over and I realize that. Uh, between the awnings or whatever the overhangs of the building if I could survive just like a 10-foot stretch of open air like monsoon rain water whatever coming down if I could get through that there's a liquor store (laughs) right over there that I could peruse while I wait for things to lighten up so I man up And run through the rain and get over there and I'm hanging out at the liquor store and not even with a full intent to buy anything per se but hanging out walking around looking at stuff looking for something that might spark my interest for today's episode like I'm like okay it's the 10 commandments is there anything here that has the number 10 on it or uh, and I did I found like a like a scotch that was aged 10 years I thought about buying and some other stuff trying to look at everything and then like my eyes caught this bottle that I was like, oh I've never seen that before. What is this? And and I picked it up. And it's a it's a whiskey called Legacy. And while it may not be on the nose with today's story you know, the Ten Commandments per se, exactly. We really are talking about the legacy of God and the Hebrew people throughout the Bible and everything. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and generational stuff and everything. So I thought legacy was was close enough. And on further inspection of the bottle, I realized that, because looking at it, so the, the bottle, it's it's got kind of a, a subdued... Uh, color scheme for it uh, the you know the word legacy is in is in like a off-white coloring and there's a like a bird uh maybe like a hawk not really great at at bird law <laughs> not really great at, at what types of birds there are but uh, like kind of like, a, kind of like a hawk or something and it's a it's a bird let's we'll leave it at that it's a bird <laughs> on a barbed wire and uh, it, it's kind of a neat thing and just looking at it looking at the design and i have a lot of I've been through a lot of whiskey, and I, I kind of uh, assumed that it was a bourbon. It looked like a bourbon to me, which I love. So I, so that caught my interest. But then upon further looking at the bottle, I realized that it wasn't a bourbon. It was, uh, per their label, a small batch Canadian whiskey. Now, Canadian whiskeys, I have to admit, unfortunately, in my mind, are kind of Uh, sorry to say the lowest ranking member of the whiskey tree you know we've got the bourbon and scotch and japanese whiskey and irish of course Uh, the offshoots like rye and everything canadian often gets unfortunately sort of treated like the redheaded stepsister of the bunch all right i i don't unfortunately give it as much respect as i would kind of like like, like, obviously, Crown Royal is probably the most famous of the Canadian whiskeys and the most popular, and I'll never actively turn down Crown if offered, you know, if I'm at someone's house or whatever, uh, and I do have a tendency to try their new flavors when they come out, uh, their vanilla one that came out, their apple one, I didn't, wasn't a big fan of that one, uh, then they did some other stuff, uh, they just they did a peach, which has been sold out every time I've tried to go buy it, so that one I'm really curious about, but anyway, uh, those are actually, I think, more liqueurs than actually whiskeys, but that's a whole other, a whole other conversation for a different day. But anyway, so that, that's Crown. One of my first hangovers in life was from Crown, so it both has a special place in my heart and bad place in my in my memories. But I, I won't ever turn it down. I like Crown; it's fine. I just don't actively like go to it, if if you get what I'm saying. So, so there's Crown up there, and then down way low is this Poison. <laughs> i can't remember if i've talked about the show or not called canadian mist now canadian mist it is like represents to me the worst hangover i have ever had in my whole life it was about four or five years ago i think had it for the first time it was cheap whatever At the party started drinking it it went down smooth but ended up in a three-day hangover uh it was trouble to even move like it it messed me up so bad and I don't know if there were other factors and maybe I'm not giving it its fair due but uh I will unfortunately never drink it again it's bad so so I have this like those are those are my two like baselines of what Canadian whiskey is like one that's pretty okay pretty mediocre pretty pretty fine and then one that will kill me if I drink it again so And I want to I want to change that. I want to experiment more with Canadian whiskeys and and appreciate them for what they are and understand the nuances and stuff like that. You know whatever they might be. And so this seeing this and it's a small batch quote unquote blended Canadian whiskey intrigued me. So like you know decision made gonna buy it. We're doing it. It's a eighteen dollar bottle right. Not a big investment. I figured, why not? So I get home with my bottle, excited to open it up, and I start doing some research on my new purchase and come to find out that the company, Legacy Whiskey, actually a subsidiary of uh, Sazerac. Now, Sazerac, they own Buffalo Trace, the whole Buffalo Trace family brand of products. But because of the Buffalo Trace division uh, of Sazerac, uh, this this bottle, actually, this Legacy, uh, per their website, is actually even bottled at buffalo trace so that's that explains to me why i got this like vibe of bourbon by looking at it and everything because it's it's really not saying like where the the contents actually came from i'm not i'm not disregarding that but it's clearly from a a subsidiary company that loves bourbon so i think it gives off that vibe now, all that to say, uh, you know, I still want to experiment more with Canadian whiskeys and try some others in, in the future that might be more closer to what a Canadian whiskey should be. Not saying that this isn't, I just don't know the difference just yet, if that makes sense. So excited. To, I'm going to keep going down the Canadian road and, and keep trying that. Uh, but, but back to this in particular, this this bottle that we're focusing on right this second. Spoiler alert, I'm a big fan. Really like it. I was actually very pleasantly surprised, especially for like a sub twenty dollar bottle. It is nice. It is really great. It has got one of the lowest alcohol kicks that I felt from from a whiskey. It's a eighty proof, so not so bad. It's it's right up there with with like Jim Beam or whatever. So not like it won't. It doesn't surprise me that the alcohol doesn't like kick you in the face, right? It's it's not it's not excessive in that regard. But it's nice. It's really great for sipping. Uh, it's got a lot of the toffee notes and the sweetness on the palate and but then it has like a little bit of kick at the end but none of it's too overpowering it's pretty mild it's not gonna be like a lagavulin or something where it's just complexity and just like oh man all the flavors it's it's the sweetness and a little bit spicy but it is so easy to drink there is like no no kick in your face from it. I would definitely, I would pour this for friends that aren't into whiskey to give them a shot and see, you know, if, if this could be up their alley. Maybe give them, you know, the baby steps into it. It also actually reminds me a lot of an Irish whiskey uh, called Redbreast Twelve. If you don't know about Redbreast Twelve, it is an amazing Irish whiskey. It's, it's. I would absolutely advocate that to anybody that was interested. Absolutely, is great. Uh, it's it's not uh, maybe i'll have it on a different show or whatever and actually talk about it for real but red Breast 12 is amazing and but it comes in i think it's i can't remember if it's like 60 or 80 bucks here locally for me these are all my prices they might they might be different for you wherever you're at but i'm just giving you a baseline it comes in about 60 or 80 bucks for me here and if someone was like not sure if they wanted to drop that kind of money on a bottle that they'd never tasted before, I would definitely recommend grab a legacy, taste this. If you like this, if you're into this at 20 bucks, maybe it'd be worth it to spend a little bit extra and try Redbreast cuz I I feel like it's in the same vein, it's very similar. Uh, not i mean like the red breast is definitely more complex and there's a lot more to it and i think that you're gonna if you actually like study it in your on your taste buds you'll enjoy it a lot more and this one's a little more simpler Uh, not i don't say watered down but that's the only word i can think of right now it's just kind of you know tamer a little bit but it's it's fantastic Uh, i don't feel the need to put ice in it it's very sippable just neat it's it's pretty great it's pretty great you know i could be way off on the red breast thing if i retry red breast i might be like oh like you know I you know i was way I was way off this doesn't taste anything like it, but that's where my memory's like like trying to trigger for that so anyway, huge fan very very big surprise for me. I didn't know what to expect from this and uh we lucked out it's a it was a miracle <laughs> it's a Ten commandment miracle, so that's what we're drinking and i uh, I'm so excited for this bottle I'm actually going and' then, As always, we're not sponsored for anyone. This is just me talking about things that I like. So, you know, but Legacy Whiskey, big fan. I'm going to pour myself another. That's really good. Okay, so where were we? Moses. Okay, so let's catch up with Moses. We've done, we've talked a lot about him. I think he's been in like six episodes now. I lost track. He he's probably the most gonna be the most talked about person in the whole Bible until maybe I get to Jesus. And even that, I'm not even sure. So Moses Moses is a big player in everything. King David might actually have some stuff too. I don't know. Now that I think about it, he might be really popular. But but Moses did a, a ton and you're probably sick of hearing him. We're almost done. <laughs> but this is a big one. So he's out in the desert. Moses is out in the desert and he's got like a million people with him that he's in charge of and he's keeping himself busy by playing judge judy for them every day like these just like people are coming up and asking for him for advice and they're like like all these inquiries and everything because because if you think about it at this point like they don't have a bible they don't have a wikipedia they don't have anything to go look up and figure out what the rules are to being a good a good israelite right good good jewish person they don't have the torah written or anything so all they've got is Moses sitting there telling them what's good and what's bad. So they're going to him all day, every day, asking for his advice on stuff. Like, what does God think about this? What does God feel about that? Like, is it a sin not to tip people when I call in a to-go order to Applebee's? Like, Like, yes, it absolutely is. Those people make regular three dollars an hour just like servers do. They survive on tips. You're a douche if you don't tip them. It's in the Bible. Uh just know that. So I <laughs> that's my PSA uh on, on behalf of Moses for the day. But that that's the type of stuff that Moses was dealing with all the time. Like getting getting asked crazy questions. So one day he's like fielding these questions and his father in law sees him and he's like, You you should do work a lot. You got you keep long hours, boy. I think you need to work smarter, not harder. How about hire some managers and some assistant managers and assistant to the regional manager, (laughs) uh, some, some shift leads, all that type of thing, and put people in place to help the other people with their questions. And Moses is like, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think about that? So he sets up this whole like, this whole uh, hierarchy tree of managers and whatever and stuff of, like, so like if you got like a baseline question, you could go to like the local guy who's the local leader in charge of like 10 people and if he doesn't know then you can take it up the ladder to the next guy who's in charge of like 100 people and if that guy doesn't know he he can take it up to the next guy up to a thousand people or what you know like there's like people that are in charge of certain different size groups and then if everyone's baffled it goes all the way up to Moses and then he'll like answer the question because he's the one that knows God the best at this point so that all happens and he sets all that up and then God talks to Moses and he's like, "Hey." Uh, I like what you're doing good stuff let's let's make it official. I want to give you some rules and things and I want to talk to you guys about some stuff to really to really set the foundation for where we go from here as a people so tell everyone that i've got i've got some things to say, and in three days i'm gonna come down to Earth for a little pep rally and in three days I'm gonna come down right over there to that mountain, Mount Sinai and uh i want i don't want i don't want anyone getting too close to me so if you could like put up a fence uh some barbed wire or something around the base of the mountain not nothing super strong maybe just like the the lines at the movie theater like that you use right the the tape ribbon things that you that you clip in you know i'm talking about right like they're not it doesn't have to be like super sturdy like don't build a wall or nothing but just like a a perimeter around the mountain because. Like, I I want to make a speech from the top of the mountain, but I don't want to get too close to me. Like, I'm feeling very introverted right now, and I don't want to get suffocated, and I might kill them if they get too close. So, tell them to keep their distance. So, Moses uh, tells everyone that God's coming and, and for a visit in a few days, and then tell literally tells everyone to, uh, <laughs> high importance, tells everyone to wash their clothes. For real, verse 14 says, Moses went down from the mountain to the people, sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. Like immediately like, hey guys, we got company. You should all wash your clothes right now. We've been in the desert for a while now. Uh let's be presentable. And which which makes sense. Like it's one of the one of the things in the Bible that absolutely like checks out. You should definitely wash your clothes before God comes to visit. So, anyway, uh, he also instructed them not to have sex until god leaves like we're not doing kind of like going home i guess to like your in-laws or to your parents house like as an adult like you know you're going like for christmas or something you're headed out like you know like like we're gonna go see grandmom like you better wash your clothes and no having sex <laughs> under grandma's roof is kind of what's happening for god's visit and three days three days later yeah in the morning or whatever there's thunder and there's lightning and a thick cloud all around the mountain and smoke rises from the top of the mountain and there was an earthquake and the and the the ground shook and everything and and they heard this loud everyone there heard this loud sound this trumpet of god uh, as he came and descended on the mountain and and he gets down. He, he uh, reaches the top of the mountain, I guess, or whatever. And he calls to Moses and says, "Moses, come on up here." And Moses he goes up and he chills alone with God up there. And like just for like a quick like manager's meeting, a, a debrief before God's big speech. I think I, I this is how I envision. It. Like God like Moses gets up there and he's like, "We ready?" Like like we're go in 20, God. And God's like, "Great, great. Just a couple couple things. Uh like kind of like like diva god mode. Like, did you give me the M&Ms I requested? I only like the blue ones. <laughs> is my water bottle is at the podium?" everything's ready did you set the barrier like i asked i don't want people coming too close to the podium if they do they'll die and and moses is like nope god we've adhered to all of your requests we're ready it's showtime so they get ready and everyone's like looking up to the mountain and you know it's lightning and thundering everything i said this big plume of smoke is rising from the top of the mountain it's fire and stuff on the top everything's shaking and everyone is standing in awe of the spectacle and then God like taps the microphone he's like is this thing on testing testing one two three and you know like like you know thank you all for coming out tonight looks like we have a really great crowd you know so what's the deal with airplane food (laughs) starting starting the whole thing off just kidding of course that's not in scripture uh God says hey I'm God the God that brought you out of Egypt the God that brought you out of slavery I'm pretty great uh thank you for coming thank you for being my people and then he just goes right in to what we would later call the 10 commandments just right off the bat and they are in in this i almost said in no particular order but no in this in this particular order <laughs> at the top of our list on this on god's top 10 commandments he listed number one you shall have no other gods before me right god doesn't want to compete with any other pagan gods that you might have just the one just him so so commandment one you should have no other gods before me two you shall not make for yourselves any idols to serve because i am your god so again right none of that pagan idol stuff right just you and god three you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain pretty straightforward right don't blaspheme i guess that type of thing Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And just as in the six days the earth was made, right? So keep the Sabbath day holy is commandment number four. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Pretty straightforward, right? Don't be a douchey kid. Six, you shall not murder. Also pretty straightforward, right? Just a baseline. Don't kill people. 7. You shall not commit adultery, right? Don't sleep with married people. Pretty baseline for a lot of religious stuff there. Uh number 8, you shall not steal. Also pretty baseline. <laughs> we're not we're not rocking the boat too much here. Number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, right? Don't lie in court, uh, either. Don't, don't say that somebody did something when they didn't. Also pretty great rule just in general. And then lastly, number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, house, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, right? It's like the intent of stealing without the actual act of stealing. Like don't even, don't even, wish they it was yours like right if they have a nice car go buy a car that's like it but don't you don't you shouldn't it it only leads to bad things if you covet what the exact thing they have especially with wives and stuff like that's 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 a that's a bad road so don't do that don't do that shit and that was that that's the 10 commandments that was the list of the 10 commandments and then god goes into some further details on things like uh three chapters of just other Notable instructions to Moses. He's like, here's the Ten Commandments. Those are the big ones. Also, here's some supplemental readings to go along with it. And he talks about how you should treat slaves. He defines murder versus uh, accidental homicide. Uh, lots of like nitty gritty stuff. Stuff of stuff about making idols and worshiping them. All, all this stuff. The slave stuff is interesting. If you have a slave and you beat him and he dies you're in trouble. But if you have a slave, and you beat him, and then he gets up after a few days, then it's no big deal, right? So there's that. (laughs) And on the other side of stuff, if you kidnap someone and human traffic them as a slave, then you're supposed to be put to death. So it's kind of all over the place, to be honest, right? Like if you have a slave already, you can beat him as long as he gets up after a few days. But don't sell slaves at all like don't you dare do that there's actually this this deeper level of like where you could actually sell yourself into slavery if you like found yourself kind of like modern day jobs i guess a little bit i don't know like if you like you're like i need some money i will work for you you know for money or whatever like i think it was maybe slightly different than how we think of as slaves except you were allowed to beat them like luckily no one at my job beats me (laughs) there would be other issues there but anyway blah 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 we could we could dissect all of this later but uh so he gives all this stuff and and just these these other not the not this is, there's the main 10 commandments and then all these little things like an addendums right these 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 uh amendments to the constitution almost of of these other side things So God gives all this and there's like a million people there in the wilderness listening to what he's saying and then soaking it all up and everything. And, and they all verbally agree to the terms and conditions. Basically like God is like, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. I just want you to do these few things. Like don't, don't murder people, uh, keep Sabbath holy and don't. Lie in court, right? Right? You know, and, and you know all these other things, and they, and everyone uses like, yes, we agree. You'll be our God. We'll be your people. Sounds like a sounds like a sweet deal to us. We're in, and so they all do like this pledge of allegiance, right, and promise to follow God's commandments and be His people. Verbal agreement, covenant, and then they make a sacrifice to really you know solidify it, because it's not really a deal unless a goat dies. You know if you know what I'm saying. So you gotta you gotta do that too. So God gives all these rules, to all the people, and there's this verbal covenant that happens. And then he tells Moses to bring his brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the leaders of the Israelites up onto the mountain for a super dope chill sesh. They, so they all go up on the mountain and God doesn't kill them or anything, even though they, they cross past the the barbed wire or whatever, up on the mountain. And he doesn't kill him, and then and Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the seventy elders all get to see God. I don't know if he was like in smoke form at this point or whatever, but they get to see like like the closest any of them have has really gotten to God at this point, as far as I can remember. So they're just they're gonna they're, they I think they have a feast. They eat. They have a great time. Good stuff. So then God tells Moses that he wants him to come up even higher on the mountain. He's like, leave the other guys there. Come up. I want to have a private conversation with you. So Moses starts heading up the mountain. and He's like, hey, Aaron, I'm going to go talk with God for a bit. Um, If anybody needs anything, if the children of Israel need anything, you're in charge. I think you have this figured out by now, right? You, You just take care of things. I'll be back shortly. Be back as soon as I can. And so Moses goes up on the top of the mountain and God's there. It says it's a blazing furnace that he walks into. That's why that big plume of smoke was there. And he walks in and he's just hanging out with God. And one thing turns to another and he's not picking up his cell phone. Everything is going straight to voicemail. And it ends up that he's up there for 40 days. No call, no show to work, whatever. did He was just just gone for 40 days. The last they saw was him walk into this blazing fire on top of the mountain. But it's really cool because up there god has given moses all these blueprints all these plans to build things like he's like build me a tabernacle right i want you you know which is like a sanctuary like a church or whatever like for people to worship at we're out here in the desert we need this and he also tells moses that he make wants him to make a wooden box he says make it four feet long two feet wide two feet tall melt down gold and cover the box with gold both the inside and the outside and on the four corners uh, like uh, I want you to attach these big gold rings and then make some big poles that you're gonna slide through the ring so people can carry it without actually touching the box. you know just carry the you know hold the poles the poles you can touch but don't touch my gold box um, and then like God tells them uh, to make a seat in the middle of the top of the box like like decorate it with that and then make two angels out of gold and put them on the top of the box with their wings covering the seat also all out of gold everything's gold 100 gold and and inside the box moses is supposed to put the stone tablets that god is about to give him the ten commandment tablets uh, inside this box and it's a whole big thing of course this is the the plans for the ark of the covenant one of the most mysterious and talked about relics in the bible I don't know if it's really it's not really talked about too too much in pop culture these days but like it i mean there's a whole indiana jones movie surrounding this you know the raiders of the lost ark talking about this the ark of the covenant this is that ark so uh, it, and we're going it's going to keep coming up in stories by the way that we get into as well uh here on getting biblical. So, it's a big thing. God gives all the instructions for that and and God keeps going and he keeps giving Moses like interior decorating demands for their soon to be built, you know, church or whatever. Uh like God's really into gold, by the way, but he, he tells them to make a table out of gold. He wants all the silverware to be made out of gold. He wants lamps golden, uh, and then he, then he gets tired of gold, and he starts talking about making curtains, and he's very specific. A whole chapter about the curtains, like, let me tell you and uh like how to set it all up he wants like 10 massive curtains and then two sets of five so you take those 10 and make them two sets of five and then sew them together because he wants a mega curtain like the thickest curtain you can ever imagine um and it just keeps going on about decorations and all this stuff and there's there's like like symbolism that we can talk about and do and get into and maybe we will one day maybe it's fun it's way too much and we're not doing it right now so just go with it god is really in the gold and big curtains so that's that's the moral of today's story we'll get into the rest later he also talked oh i forgot about this he talks about he wants uh lamps lit at his uh in his tabernacle 24 hours a day seven days a week the lamps uh that burn should burn forever never go out just always be there which is which is nice that's cool right and then he wants uh, Moses to make holy clothes for Aaron. Uh, who, Aaron's going to be like his high priest, right? Just all these directions. That's why it took 40 days. It was 40 days of here's what I want, here's what I need, here's what I want you to make, do all these things, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's literally like 10 chapters of, of God giving Moses these details. And I am fast forwarding through all of it because I, I want to get to the next part. So after all this is going on, God gives Moses this two stone tablets, like the God like created or or brought out of the wall or whatever himself. And then God, with His own finger, writes the Ten Commandments on these stone tablets. Right? It's not like Moses was the secretary writing them down. No, God was like number one you should have no other gods before me and wrote it with his own finger. So pretty cool, pretty neat. So Moses has his instructions. He's got the stone tablets autographed by God. He's got all the stuff. He's getting ready like to go back and do everything he says. And at the last minute, Right as God is like, like mid-sentence on like the last instructions, whatever, he happens to take a glance at the surveillance camera or the, the, sorry, the surveillance monitor that's looking out over the Israelite people. And his jaw drops because I guess he's been ignoring it or whatever. And I imagine that he calmly yet gravely tells Moses just like, I I, I hear it exasperate right? Like, Hey Moses, you know all those instructions I just gave you over those past forty days? And Moses is like, uh, "Yeah." God says, "Forget it. You know what? Forget it all. New plan, Moses. How about this? I'm going to destroy the children of Israel." Done, 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 done. Right? Like, like what? Like where did this come from? And here's where the scene of the movie changes. Like it's it says, meanwhile, or rather, probably not meanwhile, it's like 72 hours prior, right? It stops you on that cliffhanger. And then 72 hours before or something like that, don't know exactly how long. But while Moses is up, he's been up on this mountain for so long. And everyone down below is getting worried and they don't know what's happening. And so I feel like like day one, like Moses goes up there. He's like, Aaron, you're in charge. I'll be right back. And cool, day one, no worries. And like 24 hours later, like, huh, okay. Took longer than I thought, but no big deal. He's up there with God. I'm sure they have a lot to talk about. And then like day five, they're like, well, any day now, I'm sure. One week, we'll give it one week. We'll see how that goes. And then fast forward, day 13. Like he said he was coming back, right? Like, did I did I misunderstand what he was saying? <laughs> did he say, Screw off! I'm I'm out of here. I I thought he said he was coming back. Where is this guy? And then like day twenty four, maybe he's not coming back. Maybe maybe he made God mad and God killed him. And I don't know. Like we don't. Where is he? What's what's going on? And then day thirty seven comes and it's like, who who are we waiting for again? Who why why are we here? It's been a long time. I've forgotten everything. It's over a month now. And, all, and everyone starts getting, like, anxious, right? And they basically, they go to Aaron, like, all oh, this million people, whatever, I don't know. Like, they go to Aaron, they're like, hey, so we're pretty sure that Moses guy is dead. Like, it's been a month. He hasn't, he didn't go up there with any food. He just walked into the fire. Like, it's been, you know, 37 days now or whatever. Can you uh make up a new plan? Like, uh, how about, you know, can we can we get some idols to worship or something around here? Like, we're really, <laughs> we're getting we're getting pretty antsy about worshiping something we can't a, <laughs> existence is paid we're like yeah we've gone we've gone too long without we're, i'm crack i'm crack fiending oh <laughs> they're, they're all like scratching their necks or whatever like we got <laughs> 37 days there 37 we haven't we haven't done a single animal sacrifice in a month man like <laughs> daddy needs his medicine here like <laughs> i like like that type of thing and aaron like Aaron come on man Aaron is like yeah you're right i have no idea what happened to my brother i guess i guess you're right he is dead and then Aaron decides to start the world's first ever kickstarter campaign he crowdfunded literally for everyone to donate gold to him and his cause or whatever in his next course of action and everyone does they they get they tear off their gold rings and their gold necklaces and uh, earrings i think it says and everything they donate all this gold to him and he takes all the gold and he melts it down and then he and he forms it and and engraves it and creates uh, from this gold a golden calf a golden calf like a like a baby cow right and and he presents the golden calf to people and says This is your God who delivered you out of Egypt. And everyone was super into it and applauded and started worshiping the golden calf idol. Like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Like, what? I don't, clearly we live in a different society. I don't come from a culture where we just like, we're super into bowing down before golden animals very much. But I clearly, like, I clearly don't get it. God just freed you from slavery, he just gave you water to drink and Chick-fil-A falling out of the sky every day to feed your asses. He just parted the Red Sea and then had it like swallow up your slave owners, the Pharaoh and everything. He's literally still on top of the mountain as like like the embodiment of fire and smoke and lightning and thunder, and just recently explicitly told you don't like like the second or third i lost count like uh, commandment don't make any idols i don't like that shit like they just immediately told them that and they and they 37 days later turn right around and be like we really think we want an idol can you please make us one and they get one and they're ecstatic and like, like i don't get it i don't understand it but anyways so they have this golden calf, this idol, and they offer sacrifices to it and everything, and they're planning a big feast, you know, for the next day. And so now you're now we're caught up to the two stories, right? So God sees the idols down there, he sees everybody like, like getting ready to sacrifice to it and worship this idol and and have a big feast, and and God loses it. Uh, <laughs> God's like 40 days. Are you kidding me? They can't even be good for 40 days. Days. I just told them I hate that idol crap. What's the first thing they do? Screw it. Screw it all. Screw all them. I don't, I don't need them. Close your eyes, Moses. I don't want you to I don't want you to see this. I'm going to destroy every last one of them. And we're just gonna start over with you, Moses. A new nation, the children of Moses. We'll get it right this time. You in? You in? I'm about ready to do it. I just I'm gonna press this red button and everyone's gone. And Moses, Moses comes in and he's like, okay okay, I get it, you're frustrated, I totally understand, I'm right there with you. Rightfully so, you have every right to be upset and frustrated. It was not a very cool thing they did. Also, listen, like real quick, just listen. Uh, You just put in a lot of work getting them out of Egypt, right? You did a lot of plagues, all that effort you did, like turning water into blood and everything, and the toads and stuff. So like, hear me out, if you kill them now, that's not a great look, right? It's not a good thing. Also, the, the, the Egyptians that are still left and the other surrounding countries here, they're all going to kind of laugh at us and say things like, oh, wow, look at that God of the Israelites who freed his people just to murder them in the desert. Uh, like, we don't want that. It's not a good look. Let's figure out a different plan. So God's like, you're right. You're right. Okay, go down there. Let's assess the situation, and I'll try to refrain from the genocide. Right? We'll, try to, we'll try to go for option B plan B. So Moses runs out of the fiery center of the mountaintop and he's heading back down the mountain back down to the Israelites. He's got the stone tablets written by God's own fingers, autographed by God in his hand. Adrenaline is pumping. He just talked God out of killing every last one of them. And I'm sure he's running down the mountain thinking like, what the hell, guys? You see the, the Nile River turn to blood and nobody bats an eye. I go on a small vacation and everyone loses their minds, right? Like He's getting he's getting closer to the bottom of the mountain and his his servant Joshua is with him by the way and he says, like, Hey, do you hear that noise? I think they're at war and Moses says, I think he looks in the camera and he like squints his eyes. He says, That's not war, that's a party. And, and lo and behold, there was a rager going on at the foot of the mountain. He sees people singing and dancing and eating the remnants of the sacrifice they had made to the golden calf. And Moses loses it. He blow, It blows his mind. He takes the stone tablets autographed by God himself and smashes them onto the ground in a fit of rage. And without saying a word, and I just imagine it's just a ball of righteous indignation, and he, like, flips over some tables, probably, whatever, and he takes the golden calf, and right in front of everyone, he, like, makes, like, a big fire or something, and he melts the calf down stops the party turns off the boombox, whatever melts the golden calf down and then takes the melted <laughs> calf or whatever and he grinds it up even further like so first it's like just like this melted like bullion gold what you know gold bullion whatever type thing and then he takes that and he dusts it up so he gets like these golden flakes and he pours those golden flakes into their water supply so that every last motherfucker there has to drink it. <laughs> like, he is so mad right now. Like, weird flex, but okay. Like, you're going to drink the remnants of the golden calf. And Moses, like, goes to Aaron, and he's like, Well, like, like are you, like, you going to explain? What, what's, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And Aaron, this guy, Aaron goes like, Oh, Moses, I'm so glad you're back. These people... Man, these people are wicked, dog. I'm telling you, they, like, begged me uh, to make them an idol to worship. They, they threatened me, actually. I didn't have a choice. They threatened me, and so, like, I just, I had some gold earrings laying around, and I tossed them in the fire to try to, like, make them happy, and dang it wouldn't you know it this this golden calf just popped out of the fire it was a miracle and so we just thought it was a sign from god and we so you know we had to party and and sacrifice to it and stuff and which is all utter bullshit it literally says that he crafted it and engraved it and made it so whatever you're full of shit aaron but the calf didn't magically pop out of no fire anyway so moses like sees that the people are just running wild and it's just it's just craziness all the debauchery everywhere and to the point that the niv version says that even the surrounding like countries or nations that could like kind of see the israelites they were all laughing the israelites were a laughing stock to these other countries they're like what are these wild people doing over here that's it's what it literally says so Moses calls out over like his PA system and anyone that's listening he says, if anyone still wants to follow God the right way, line up over here in this area. And apparently all the Levites, the lineage of the tribe of Levi, right? The one brother, Levi, they all line up over in this section of people that want to serve God for reals, for real. And Moses gives all of them swords <laughs> and, and I don't know how he decided it exactly, but gives them marching orders to go out and kill the worst of the wicked people in the camp. It doesn't really clarify the thought process. It just like he's like gives source to the Levites and say go out and kill uh your fellow people <laughs> in the community and they end up killing 3000 people for their wickedness. Which is weird, I mean kind of weird, but it's there's like a million people here, right? There's like six Hundred thousand dudes alone, I believe, is what the number is. So three thousand is actually a very small number. Like this isn't like a a Thanos snap where we get fifty percent of them gone. Like three thousand is a small number in comparison. It's a lot of bodies stacked on top of each other, but but in comparison to the whole, it is. But here's kind of the neat part, and maybe this is like how it ties in. But in the immediately next section. Moses goes back to God and he's like, "Listen, we killed three thousand people, like the worst of them or whatever." Um and, and but he's like, "Listen, I need I need you to forgive the rest of the people. We killed the worst ones. Forgive the rest. If you're not willing to forgive the rest of the people, if you still want to kill them all, please." Blot my name out of your book, and I don't want my name to be ever associated with everything that we did, and coming out of Egypt or whatever. Like, I want to be a no-name, no person. Like, let my name die with me. I don't want to be recorded in history as having any association with this. If you choose to kill them all, right? He's like, that's that was Moses's stance, and God's like, listen, listen, listen. Um, like, I'm gonna forgive them, right? It was a stupid thing they did, but you killed the worst of them. Um, I'm not gonna blot your name out. I'm not gonna do anything and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill the rest of them. But what I am gonna do though is I'm gonna blot out the names of the 3,000 that you killed and no one is ever gonna know who or what they were about or anything like that. And it's that's, I think that's kind of why it's interesting and why it skips over like how they knew or who who they killed exactly maybe because God literally just says like 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 screw those guys i'm gonna blot them out and they did and now it's like a mystery like oh, who are these three thousand they killed so i don't know i think it's neat you know not not even a mention of what these cucks did like to deserve it but so yeah anyway, so god's like also by the way moses don't think that i forgot that you broke my tablets that i made you need to replace those <laughs> and uh, and moses yeah you know, was like shit I forgot about that but oh well So they strike up a deal, whatever. Moses uh, gets an opportunity to see God himself. It's like one of the last things. Like before when like he and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, whatever, they were hanging out with God. God was just in like the smoke form. But Moses is like, I want to see you for real, for real. I'm putting in a lot of effort. I'm putting my neck on the line for your people. I want to see you. I want to be the guy that's seen you. So God's like, listen, man, you can't see me, see me. You can't see my face because you'll die right that's not that's not a thing that can happen but i will let you hide in a cave and i'll let you look out through like a little sliver and when i walk past the cave and then i tell you when you can come out and see like the back of my head and that's the most that any mortal person can see it's like and moses is like deal great i'll, I'll look at the back of your head Like <laughs> that's that's close. good enough for me That's all i want so Moses has to carve two new stone tablets for the commandments or whatever and he goes back up to the top of the mountain and God comes down and he rewrites the commandments on the new stones just you know so he autographs them again and then just like they said Moses is in a little cave or whatever and he peeks out after God walked by and he sees you know God's back of his head or whatever and and it was it was like one of the only times in the Bible that this has happened. Right. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And Moses comes down off the mountain with the new tablets. And as he's walking down, he is beaming. And I mean that literally. It says that because he saw God, he soaked in God's radiance and his skin was literally glowing so much that people were afraid to get near him and he had to like wear a mask or like a face covering whenever he went out in public because he was glowing so much and looked like he had radiation or something (laughs) like he just he looked it looked nuts so it it lasted for a long time uh that was, was a very monumental thing But now he had his Ten Commandments, he had his glowing face, he had the blueprints for making the tabernacle, the blueprints for making the Ark of the Covenant, and he had their marching orders of what to do next, and of course, as I said already, they had the Ten Commandments and and everything, and they're really, really, really finally set to be the children of Israel and follow God's plan and create that legacy, tied it all in, so. Anyway that's the story of moses and the ten Commandments. there's a lot more depth to it than a lot of people realize a lot of people fluff it over and like children's stories and stuff but uh people died <laughs> people are glowing now all kinds of stuff absolutely fantastic maybe one day i will dive into some of the other some of the nitty-gritty parts of like the tabernacle and and some of the symbolism there and everything but not today we're stopping it there As always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned some stuff. As always, hope that you have a fantastic week. Cheers.